You're listening to Can I Say That, a project created by Brenna Blaine in hopes of engaging culture as Christians in a post-Christian world. Here, we hope to ask the questions we sometimes ponder, but rarely have a chance to ask in the church. Jesus said, he is the way and the truth and the life. So we hope we can engage truth together and in extension, know the eternal life he offers. Hey friends, Brenna Blaine here. I'm super excited about today's podcast episode. But before we get into that, I want to ask two things. We do this every once in a while. One, if you are listening on Spotify, would you consider leaving us a review? Reviews are fairly new on Spotify, and so we would love to see what you guys think, what your feedback is about our podcast. Second of all, if you have social media, I would love to invite you to share this episode if it encourages you, if it challenges you, or if it has made a difference in the way that you view God in difficult topics, that would be huge. Okay, today's podcast episode is on being transgender and a Christian. Back when we started this podcast in 2019, I knew this would be a topic I really was hoping to have a conversation around. However, There was two things that I wanted. I wanted this conversation to be held with someone who has experienced gender dysphoria and knows what it's like to be transgender. I also wanted them to be someone who loves Jesus. And so a few months ago when I met Kat through social media, it was so apparent that God was answering this prayer. And so I am so excited for you to listen to this conversation. I hope you listen from start to finish. And if it ends up being a conversation that you think someone else needs to hear, would you please share on social media, throw it in an email, send it to whoever you think would be blessed by hearing. So to start us off, I would love to just go back to the beginning. What was your upbringing like? When did you start wrestling with questions surrounding gender? And how did this play out in your life? My upbringing was in the church, grew up in a Baptist church, moved around a lot. So it was pretty, a bit chaotic at times, you know, moved six times before I was 18. And, but yet, even though like schools were changing, friends were changing, my church remained the same. So that was like kind of the one constant that we, so we did end up like commuting to church, you know, like about an hour, one direction um, a week. And so my church was still, so I knew like God was important. I grew up with like the, this foundation of God, but I kind of, you know, as I was going through middle school, I could tell that I was a bit different. I felt like in in Bible study where we'd split up girls and guys, I kind of more felt like a fly on the wall. Like a lot of the conversation and stuff that the girls were talking about, it was harder for me to relate to. And I I was just like, okay, this is interesting. I feel like I'm one of their friends, like, but somebody who can't really relate and like resonate too much. So that was just something that I noticed. And as I kind of, you know, just continued on, I really felt like that divide got further and further apart. We were really kind of, uh, you know, kind of going off in two different directions, like, you know, these girls that I was around and then myself. Yeah. So you don't know that you have same sex attraction until you know you have same sex attraction. So it was, so that's, it's separate from my gender identity, but it's still much a part of my story and kind of 
it was the only like language that I had. Like I didn't have any language for the gender stuff. And so at 18, when I went off to college, I, I kind of found myself in this relationship with another woman where I was just kind of thought like I was just being cat. I was just being whatever. And turned out like I was probably more flirty than I really realized. And I really didn't think that I could, I didn't think that somebody would ever feel the same way that I, that I felt about somebody else, um, uh, a girl. And so when we kind of, me and this other girl just started kind of dating and feeling that out, I came out as gay. That was really weird because again, it was like, I didn't know I was gay until I was in this like relationship and it was kind of playing out. And so I think that's kind of similar with how gender worked a little bit too, of like, I felt this, this wrestling, I felt this disparity between me and my my girlfriends, not the ones I was dating, <laughs> but just my friendships. And so upon reflection, it was kind of like, okay, there's something different. So when I came out as gay, I, I felt like that was a piece of the puzzle, but I was still like really searching. I mean, upon reflection, you know, I was really searching for the other piece to really understand myself and know myself. And so I kind of just thrust myself into relationships and providing for myself, providing for for us and kind of seeing, you know, what the future was going to hold. When I was, um, I was with this girl for three and a half years and we were planning on, I was, I was thinking about marriage. I was thinking about our, our future. And when I started to do that, I was planning like, okay, what, what do I see from my life? And I always had seen church as a part of that picture, like that my, my kids would go to church, like getting dressed up and going to, you know, on Sunday, going to Sunday school, dropping them off and, and that type of a thing. And so I knew like, so when I became, you know, came out as gay, I already I was well aware of the messages that the church was sending and I didn't have any answers, right? Like it was kind of like, I know it's not a choice. Like it's not any more of a choice for me than it is for my parents to be married, right? The only thing that's different is there's action, behind one thing. So the, the action is not that that's the choice. The feelings were not. And so that was, but I had no language to be able to make it that clear. And so I really just didn't want to enter into a debate. And so I left the church. And so, you know, like this is nine years later, I'm thinking about my future and it comes back up that I've always thought of my future with God or church present. So I asked my girlfriend at the time, Hey, would you be open to going back to church? And she said, yes. And so we went to this mega church and, you know, just like sat way up in the balcony and slipped in, slipped out. And one particular Sunday, we were going for a couple months, the band switched to, to this song, uh, No Longer Slaves. And it was like God was revealing to me that sexuality was only a piece of it, but that that gender was like the other piece to this 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 puzzle. He was revealing to me how much fear I was living in surrounding public restrooms. For whatever reason, it was like that was the moment where it was like you have like nobody, in my opinion, who's comfortable going into a public restroom. But like, I don't think it's common for people to dehydrate themselves and not purposely not drink water before they leave the house in order so like I don't have to use the bathroom when I'm out. And so that all of a sudden became really clear that that was like not normal and like something that I was actually avoiding and running from. That was one of the many things that God was revealing in that moment where it was just like kind of blowing my mind. But it was so, he was so kind in how he did that because he not only said like, look at everything that you're, you're living in 
look at everything that you're running from. And he's like, but you can run to me. He, he also like wanted to be the solution. He wasn't just pointing out areas of problems that I was having. You know, he was, he was also saying, do you see this bondage? Do you see these chains that are weighing you down? I want to break all those. And he's saying he's capable of it. Cause I had been trying for at that point, 27 years. And I, I tried everything, you know, to I tried running further or further and further away from him and running into, I need a better support system. I need a better relationship. I need a better whatever. And nothing worked. I was just so empty and so broken. So I just like immediately was just getting wrecked. And I was like, this is not the place that I want to be getting wrecked at. <laughs> you know, just fearful in that moment too, of like, I'm in a pew. I don't know how other people are viewing us. Cause like, I, I I present very masculine. And so um, I often get misgendered as male. And so I didn't know, do people think that we're a straight couple? Do they think that we're, do they know that they're two, that we are two women? You know, all of these different things that were just constantly flooding my mind. And so I'm getting wrecked and I leave and that, sh- that song, I just couldn't shake that song. And so I sought out like a more intimate experience. I felt like, you know, I need, I need something a little bit, I want to get, and it's really symbolic of like my heart toward God of like, okay, I'm in the building, right? I want to get maybe a little bit closer to the stage. I want to get a little bit closer to who you are. I want, I'm a little bit more open. I'm a little bit more curious. And so my cousin, um, I, I asked him if I could go to church with him and he, he was like, yeah, sure. And so I went to his church and a similar experience happened over the course of like eight or nine months where I'm just like experiencing the love of God. And the fact that he, I don't even know how I was really, other than the grace of like him just revealing to me, it wasn't like it was, oh, and I got this amazing teaching, right? It was just like, he showed up every Sunday and he was pulling my heart closer to him. And I remember one particular sermon, um, hearing the pastor uh, talk and preach, he was the head pastor at the time. And I, I was, I was listening to a sermon, I think it was about sexuality or marriage. And I really leaned in. And I was like, I wonder if I can get married in this church. And he was preaching and said, we do not affirm same-sex relationships and marriages in this church. But yet the way that he delivered it was like, I know I can't get married here, but I know that that guy up there loves me. Like I knew his, his compassion for me. It was so evident and so clear. And I kind of was like, huh. And I kind of, I felt like immediately it was like, I could maybe let that go. If if there's like love like that, I could maybe let that go. And so um, months kept going by. And at this point, we're really only talking about same-sex attraction. But the other piece of that was like, okay, I'm wrestling through this gender identity and I'm, I'm warming up and I'm, I'm open, more open to God and who he is. And so one day out of the blue, this woman come up, came up to me and my girlfriend that I was dating at that time, like three and a half years, we broke up. It just didn't work out. And so... I was coming to church alone. And so she came up to me and she said, hey, I noticed that you come in late sometimes and sometimes you don't have anybody to sit with. I just wanted you to know that you could always sit with me and my family. And so I I, pers- <laughs> I did kind of like an eye roll of like, all right, we're at church and like you're trying to be friendly. Good job, Christian. And, you know, all this type of stuff. But at the, at the, like at, at the same time, I was like, that took a lot of guts to just come up and, and try to generate a conversation out of thin air. So, so I, you know, I, I thanked her. 
And um, she asked me what I did for work. And so I told her, but I kind of was like, all right, am I going to get out of here? And I was like, here at church, like make an effort. Like you've been here almost a year, you know, like make an effort. And so I asked her what she did. And she said, well, it kind of has something to do with my story as well. But my husband and I, we have a ministry that are, that we're trying to bridge the gap between the LGBTQ community and the church. And I think I like picked up my jaw from the floor (laughs) and was completely blown away because when I left the church in 2007, nobody was talking about this. When I went, when I re-entered church, I didn't think I would be accepted. I didn't think anybody was having these conversations. I didn't even think anybody, it was on anybody's radar. You know, I thought like basically just nothing had happened. Nothing had changed. And so one, that's how hungry I was for truth, that I was willing to face rejection to find out who this God was. And I, that's not a, a, a praise on me. I think that that's by the grace of God that he, that he gave me that courage to, to do that. And so it was just completely mind blowing to me that, that she came up and that was what she said. And I knew in that moment I was set up and God specifically had placed me here for this kind of moment. I didn't know what was going to come after it. And I was like, honestly, I was freaked out. And I was like, okay, not talking like to you anymore. Like, I don't know what I don't, I'm not ready for all this. And so I, I like forgot the name of the ministry, forgot her name, continued on. And about four or five months later, um, I was actually, so I was seeing a counselor at my uh, university that I was attending and we were kind of flushing out this whole gender identity stuff. I was coming to terms with the fact that the gender piece was the missing puzzle piece and I was processing that type of, those types of things with her. And it got to a point where I was going through it. Like I was consuming so much YouTube on, you know, people who were transitioning from, from specifically female to male and almost like kind of gearing up for all of the side effects, all of the things that were going to change. Cause I was like, I am sick of living in this, like this, this whole trans language definition, it fits me, an umbrella term used to describe the disconnection that I felt from my biological sex and my, and my gender and how I express myself. And I was like, okay, this is it, but I can't wait anymore to start living my life. So I'm like 27. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this now. And so the counselor and I were, were wrestling through this type of stuff, but I, but not really wrestling. It was more of like me just telling her how it was and her like just kind of affirming everything I was saying and not really offering like any questions or anything like that. Like what makes you feel male? What, what's, what's your definition of masculinity? What, what is femininity to you? We weren't hashing those types of things out, which is kind of what I thought we would do. I was really looking to know, am I trans or you know, am I just kind of blowing something up a little bit too much? Or am I like focusing on something too much? And so we're talking about this stuff. And I came to realize like, no, I am the diagnosis. Like I'm the one who is prescribing this and and kind of seeing like what we do from here. And so I was going through it, not able to focus on work or my homework or anything like that, just consuming so much YouTube. And I came in one day to her and she just, you know, said, this counselor said, like, you let me know when you're ready to transition and I will like get you plugged into the right people. And I really felt in that moment that I was 
more of a person, um, like a problem to be fixed than a person to be known. And so that's when I remember Lori and um, I remembered her name because <laughs> we went to the same church. That was kind of harder. So I reached out to her and I just said, uh, hey, like I'm really struggling. Um, I am, I'm tired of hearing what the world says about my gender identity, um, what my family and for lack of a better term, conservative circles, like think about this. Like, what does God think? Because again, I was so hungry for that truth. Like I was ready. I was, I had to get to that point where I actually could admit that I wanted to know what God thought because I had rejected him for so long, but I was open to who do you say I am? And she just replied, like, I don't really know how he sees you and what he thinks about all this, but I'm willing to walk with you and journey with you to figure it out. So that's kind of like when my journey with Jesus really started, I think, like, I mean, like where I was in it, I know he was, he's always been in it, but where I actually said, all right, I'm all in. Like, I want to know what you think. I want to know what you say. So Lori, Lori Krieg unveiled who Jesus was. She unveiled who he is and how he sees me. And when we start to grasp the depth and the width of his love, like other stuff just doesn't seem as important. I I don't feel as scared of like, well, what if this doesn't work out? Or what if this feeling that when you know that you can like fear and love can't exist at the same time, leaning into that love, understanding it, being able to articulate it, being able to experience it. Um, It's not that it like my dysphoria now just doesn't matter, but I understand that he really cares about it. And he also grieves all the struggles that we have on this side of heaven. And he also saying like, yeah, I know (laughs) it wasn't supposed to be this way. So that's, that's a piece of my journey. And we can, we can hash out the, the more like, I guess, integral parts of like gender dysphoria and and how that actually like manifests and, and things like that. But yeah, that's kind of the the beginning and till about now. <laughs> I know there are a ton of parents who are listening to this podcast. I'd love to ask when you look back on what it was like processing your gender identity in relation to your parents. What were some things that they did for you that felt helpful and how can Christian parents love and guide their kids who are wrestling with gender? I think the biggest thing is is to spend time with your with your child, um, to spend time getting to know their heart and really pursuing their heart. I think for my parents, it was sometimes like a pursuit of, yeah, who I was, but also like there was their ideas of who I was as well, kind of wrapped up and intertwined. And so, yeah, I think allowing allowing your child to be able to express and articulate who they are to you and for for and that's a tough one. It, it's a it's a hard, I think, switch of nurturing and cultivating that individual. And then now it's like, it's more of like, okay, who are you really? Like, what what are you into? You know, like, what language are you using? What do you care about? What are you passionate about? And understanding that gender and how they express themselves might be, that's a part of that. I want to ask maybe something more specific. I get parents all the time who are saying, do I accept my child's pronouns or do I offer some pushback 
mean, do you do you have any insight as to what one or the other would convey or what you maybe you wish your parents did or maybe if you had future kids how would you wrestle with that with them yeah i think that when our heart is open to again in like pursuing that child's heart i think like our our spirit bleeds through anything that we're so even if we like screw up we say wrong things or like really kind of flippant things maybe if our heart is to really understand and know I think that we can get away with a lot more like we, we get a lot more grace as opposed to if we're like trying to nest, like push an a, a agenda of like I know where I want you to get and so like I you know I'm less about the journey so I think that's huge I think the pronoun thing and actually like Preston Sprinkle has you know I've listened to a lot of his stuff worked with his his ministry a lot for for a, a few years and this has kind of been an evolving thing that he has really dug into and and so i think at one point it was more of like yes do like do the pronouns change them up and now it, it kind of switched it he switched it a little bit to being a little bit more hesitant so like for instance going like drastically one one uh like gendered pronoun to another so like from she to he kind of like cautioning that so much but I think that there's still a lot of room for compromise. So for me, my cat is not my full name, but you know, this is what I've decided on pretty much to go by. It's not legally changed or anything like that, um, which makes flying interesting sometimes. But you know, I think coming up with a name that your child and you like can kind of get to a place, whether that's like if you're named Jackie and you want to go by Jack, can we just settle on Jay? You know, can we can can we do something? And and you guys have, you know, parents are going to have like tons of history with their kids, so there might be something kind of quirky, funny that isn't so gendered, isn't so maybe triggering for them. Um, so I think that there's still a lot of of freedom in that. But I think another thing that's going to communicate well to your child is how you have talked about, and even if if you've done it in the past, owning it and moving forward of like, have I been charitable to LGBT people? right? Like my language and my, like if somebody's, you know, LGBT person is on your TV show or screen, like, are there comments made? You know, are, are the other family members in your house making comments? And is that kind of getting let go or things like that? So I think that speaks, that's kind of dipping a little bit more into safety, emotional safety. Um, but those I think are things that I think speak volumes to people in general, but also like your kid is definitely going to be picking up on those things if they're wrestling with this themselves, for sure. Do you think, so if my boys came to me and said, hey mom, I'm wrestling with gender or I want to change my pronouns, would it be more dramatic for me or more helpful for them if I were to say, hey, like let's get into counseling? Do you think that's like a very dramatic way to respond to that or do you think that would be helpful for the parties involved or do you think it's more of a case-by-case basis yeah i would say if you're if your child is definitely like expressed interest of like an open to counseling and and things like that yeah i think it's more case-by-case in that sense but i think it's like maybe the first step is like let's have a conversation like i would have loved to hash out what what do pronouns mean you know like how how come you're you're choosing that and not to that can also be asked in a very serious like way too. That's like not helpful of like, what's the right answer, you know, um, type of way, but like a genuine curious question and like fostering that I think can be really helpful. So I, I would, 
kind of say like, oh, that's okay, man, that must be really tough. Like, it sounds like you're struggling or like maybe you're, how come? Why does that feel safe to you? Why does that feel better to you? Those types of questions to just curious, like get to know their heart and like where they're genuinely at. So we've asked a lot of questions kind of from the standpoint of parents, but I want to ask this maybe for people who are more, I would say even more like me before I read Embodied by Preston Sprinkle, I had no idea what it was like to wrestle with gender identity. So for people who have a hard time understanding gender dysphoria, how is it different than just wanting to look different with your outward appearance? This is like kind of about boy world and girl world. So like I grew up in girl world. Now it didn't necessarily mean that I fit in in girl world or like, you know, perception wise of what I thought I was fitting in or like what I was picking up. But I think it's been this desire to be in boy world for me. Um, it's been a, it's been a desire to want to like understand and, and kind of feeling like I, I not even I want to understand. I feel like I want to. That's where I fit more. Uh, I'm resonating with what they're talking about more than what I'm talking about with girls. Yeah. So I think that from like an emotional standpoint, that's kind of what the the desire is, at least for me, of like kind of fitting into that world. But then I think also it's not like a necessarily right, like a physical outward appearance to me like that can maybe be accomplished a little bit by like clothing but it's also like a physical like biological desire as well so it's not just about like I want to have the perception as I'm if I'm a guy but it's like I also just physically want to be a guy the opposite sex yeah so that can get yeah like pretty yeah it's weird where you kind of like sometimes like you wake up and you're like I've been shocked looking in the mirror before where I'm like oh my goodness, does my collarbone really stick out that much? Like uh, meaning, you know, and what I mean by that is like, it's a more feminine feature. And so it's like, oh, wait a minute. That means that my brain though (laughs) has been sending messages that like, when you look in the mirror, you're going to see something different. So yeah. So it it is like a, a deeper, deeper seated thing than simply like wanting to be perceived as a guy in the in the world. You mentioned some of this while you were sharing your story, but I think it's helpful if we just explicitly ask, what were the best ways that Christians loved you while you were still pursuing the idea of transitioning? Well, one, like I was, I think when I've been around uh, and it was really like Lori Krieg and like this community that you know, that, that she was kind of cultivating and my church was cultivating. And when I, when I felt like when I went over there and was in the community, that people were genuinely trying to get to know me as opposed to, okay, well, uh, you're a female. So therefore you won't know how to change a tire. You won't want to lift weights, whatever. But also like the flip side of that too, like, okay, so you're trans so you're not going to want to watch this Devil Wears Prada Meryl Streep movie, which is completely false because I absolutely do want to watch that. Um, and so like on both sides of it, that like, okay, so you're, you're wanting, you're wanting to be male, quote unquote. So like, you'll want to do these things that are, that are male. So they really just like, like let me kind of lead who, like what I was about and just ask questions and really tried to put like aside the stereotypes. And again, just genuinely curious. That was, I think, a huge, a huge thing. When The part about like pursuing a transition, when I was wrestling with that idea, you know, Lori asked my pronouns 
And for me, it was like, if you could just use my name as much as possible, as opposed to she, her at the time, that was really helpful. And so Lori made an effort for sure to do that. I also remember there was a time where we went to this event and I was, I didn't know anybody there. And I think she kind of knew some people. And so when she came up, she was like, okay, this is, you know, more conservative event. And so she kind of, she introduced me to other people. And so she really just stuck her neck out there and was like, this is Kat. They prefer having their name as opposed to she, her pronouns. And like, she just like went out and went for it. And that meant so much that she was willing to, and she, I think even prefaced it before she did it. She's like, I'm going to try this. I hope I do. Okay. Sorry if I screw up, you know, and then just went for it. And so that just meant so much to me that she's really in this. Whereas like to say, like, even if she looks dumb, even if she gets it wrong, like she's willing to put herself out there to do that. So I think, um, I mean, yeah, that went a huge, like long way for how I like felt safe and trusted her. Like she was genuinely looking out for me and what made me feel comfortable in that time. What was the moment like when you came to the conclusion, I'm not going to transition? What got you there? I came to the I had to be really honest with what I wanted out of transitioning. What I wanted wasn't to just be male from this point on. What I wanted was to be male always. And that was a hard pill to swallow. That was never going to happen. And so I had to get really real and honest that, because to me, I had two options. Like I either, I come out as trans and I transit, like, well, in this scenario of like, if I transition, if I transition, then I'm out, right? Like actively out of like, yep, I'm trans, I transitioned. Or I live stealth, where I transition. And you can basically just erase the first 27 years of my life. Like, I'm not showing anybody baby pictures. I can't tell anybody that um, I used to play basketball in college. Like, I can't tell anybody this stuff because then they'll know. And so when I kind of came to the realization that I couldn't live stealth and I couldn't basically rewrite the past and looking at like how many, looking at the reality that I would never feel comfortable in a public restroom. Then I really started to like, look at, is this really right for me? And then you look at like, okay, so that's like just me personally, right? Like that I'm that I'm wrestling through. But then I'm like caring about also what God thinks about stuff. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So if you didn't screw up, God, if you actually intended for me to like have this type of struggle, both with gender and sexuality, I can see the beauty that you just weaved actually. Like I can, I can get behind that. Like, you know, I'm able to help educate people in a way. And I remember even before I was a Christian, like I had people that were in my life and they were like, you know what? I got to just tell you, like, you kind of changed my mind about LGBT people. So I was like, okay, I can see the beauty of why you would allow this to see the beauty in when I started to um, really study, like, okay, what did you intend for gender? Is it these narrow pathways that we as our our society and culture have developed or is there much more like is is there much more like a a broader boundary and I discovered that there was a lot of like a, a lot of a lot more room than I originally had thought and that he delights in me right now and so that again it's back to the love piece of like we we if you're not experiencing that like we're going to be in bondage. And unfortunately, we go back into bondage almost every day. No, no, no. Every day. <laughs> Not almost. Every day. Of like, we ha- like, how do we tap into that love and rest in that love constantly? So that's, 
that's kind of how th- those were some of the things that personally, and then also it's like, okay, but I also care about what you think, God. And so that's what I, how I kind of came to that conclusion. Before we end, I know the question probably on a lot of people's minds are, do you still identify as trans and why or why not? Yeah. So, um, I do still identify as trans, but I think that now in my life, as opposed to four years ago, what I mean with that, I think that there, it's probably like less weight and, or less more of a, like a forefront. So I, uh, trans, just that term and how I, um, I saw it defined an umbrella term, meaning like there's no ABC after you come out as trans, like, okay, change your pronouns, change your name, transition. There's no, there's not like a thing that you have to follow with that. So it really gave me a ton of freedom to be able to describe my experience to people in a very quick way. And also hopefully get them curious enough to ask a question just so that I can talk about like what God has done, to be honest. Because like, I can't talk about the fact that I, because how I came out was him kind of telling me (laughs) or like revealing like pieces of about my heart. Now he's not like calling me trans or like saying, this is what you are. Right. Like that's, but he was saying like, I want to, I want to free you from something, but you have to be aware of what I'm freeing you of. So I, I mean it more that way as opposed to him, him calling me trans. But again, yeah, like I would say that it's, it's, it's not as important for people to, to know as it was like four years ago. Um, but I think it does get my, it, I do like the conversations that I have as a result of, of being able to identify that way. And I would still say it's absolutely a part of my day-to-day life, right? Like I'm, I'm still, I still experience gender dysphoria at times. It, you know, if you've heard other people describe it, it's, it's, it's constantly there. Um, but, but it amps up at certain points in time more so than others. And so I still experience that. Um, it's not just that I'm like claiming it and, um, not still ongoing, like experiencing it, but yeah, I would, I would say that I, I still identify as trans. I know there are people who are listening, who are just, um, so blessed and so encouraged to hear your story and I would love to give them an opportunity to connect to you. So how can people find you, let's say on social media? Yeah, so you can just search my name, Cat LaPrairie. I'm pretty sure that's my handle. I think it's just Cat LaPrairie. Uh on Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Facebook too. I don't do Twitter. But yeah, so that's how you can find me. You can follow me on there. Um, DM me with any questions. Is there any literature or resources you would recommend for parents? Definitely the Center for Faith dot com. Preston Sprinkle has a ton of like different series on sexuality and gender on his on his podcast, Theology in the Raw. If you're just looking for like yeah, like a bunch of uh, different perspectives, Christian, non Christian, trans people on there. Yeah, his book Embodied, I think, has been is, has been helpful for a lot of people. People to be loved. Um, that's an amazing, amazing read. Where you know it's more sexuality based, but it's LGBT people in general. So, of course, shout out to Lori Krieg and um, Impossible Impossible Ministries and her book Impossible Marriage is absolutely fantastic. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the conversation. Brennan and I hope you found it both helpful and relevant. If you have any questions or thoughts, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at Can I Say That Show. 
We almost always use Instagram stories to ask questions pertaining to the next episode leading up to the recording. So keep a lookout for such in case you have any burdening questions on that topic and for the opportunity to potentially have your questions asked. Either way, thanks again for listening. And as Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, test everything, hold fast what is true.